Good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can affect our energy, our health, and our hormones. Today, I'm going to reveal the truth behind the calorie and how a calorie is not a calorie. We do not need all the same amount of calories. When you eat, what you eat, how much muscle you have, how often you eat, all those have a bearing on how your body handles the calorie. Starting off, the definition of a calorie never really made sense to me. The definition is this, and see what you think. It's the energy needed to raise the temperature of one gram of water one degree Celsius. Now, I could never see how that applied to our Krebs cycle. And mind you, I've studied Krebs cycle way too many times. And, you know, just our biology for that matter, no one could ever explain that to me. Just memorize it and pass the test. But I want to understand. So I personally experimented. I knew if I ate a certain way, I'd be hungrier, and I could just about apply the food directly to my hips. But if I ate another way, I'd burn the calories like crazy. I'd be satisfied. It would be like magic. So I knew what was true and wasn't true for me. But I'm odd. Am I? I don't know. Wait, don't answer that. Another thing, if I ate earlier in the day, I could eat more. But if I eat before I go to bed... You know, I'd store it like crazy. So, you know, how about you? Are you the same way? Digging a little deeper into the biochemistry of carbohydrates, fat, and protein. I know it sounds dull, but I think you'll find this kind of interesting. We know that calories may be equal in terms of their energy content, but how the body processes each is really different. And these differences can have the biggest implication for weight management. You know, one of my questions, protein and carbs both have four calories per gram and fat has nine calories. Does that mean we store 100 calories of turkey the same as 100 calories of bread or 100 calories of mayonnaise, butter? I don't know. Or is 100 calories of broccoli the same as 100 calories of bread or avocado or chicken, or if we cook that same amount of avocado, is it going to be the same as if it were raw? Is it really energy in and energy out? I've got so many questions. And if I want to lose a pound, do I need to lose like 3,500 calories total for each pound until I get to my goal? The body is crazy complicated, so many systems to balance and control, and it really is hard to pinpoint energy balance. So we've had to make some really bad generalizations, I think. Some foods are just more efficient to metabolize, and others are less efficient to metabolism, metabolize, and a lot of energy is lost in that conversion. So here's some examples of why a calorie is not a calorie. First of all, let's look just at sugar, fructose versus sucrose, which is table sugar or even honey for that matter. Two kinds of simple sugars. You've got the sucrose and then you've got the fructose. Sucrose is about half fructose. So gram for gram, 
The two provide the same amount of calories because all carbohydrates have four per gram. But the way they're metabolized, metabolized is totally different. Glucose, which is half of the sugar molecule, is going to be metabolized by all your tissues. But fructose can only be metabolized by the liver in small, significant amounts. So if you get a lot of high fructose corn syrup, you're going to quickly overwhelm your liver's ability to metabolize it. And here's some other reasons why glucose calories are not the same as fructose calories. Ghrelin. That's the hunger hormone. Easy way I remember it is G for the growling stomach. It goes up when you're hungry and it goes down when you've eaten. One study shows that fructose leads to really high ghrelin levels. And so that's more hunger. Then glucose. Another thing, you need to eat a lot of it in the fall to survive the winter. Ancient man needed this. So, I mean, it just kind of kept them, their stomach growling, so they wanted to eat more and more so they could store it up and survive the winter. Fructose also does not stimulate the satiety centers in the brain the same way glucose does. You never get full. Again, this is a great if you're a bear going into hibernation and fasting all winter. Or if you're a human and don't have any regular food all winter, you need to be eating a lot of that fruit with the fructose or honey in the fall or other carbs like potatoes and squash and apples and other starches that ripen in the fall. Fatten you up so you can live all winter on it if necessary. We don't need that these days. So now we know that consuming a lot of fructose can also build insulin resistance, abdominal fat, increased triglycerides, blood sugar, small dense LDL particles, compared to the same amount of calories from sucrose or other foods. So you can see the number of calories is going to change how your body deals with it. Hormones, metabolic health, and everything. So sugars and carbs need to be considered differently. Keep in mind, fructose only has negative effects if eaten in excess amounts. A piece of fruit that has lots of fiber and many other nutrients now and then is going to be a heck of a lot different than a big glass of juice or candy. Next thing, and this is really cool, it's the thermic effect of food. How the body burns different foods through different pathways. You know, Carbs and fat are really efficient, so you're going to get more energy out of them. Fat is most efficient at 2%. Carbs are about 7%. Protein is only 25 to 30% efficient, so more energy is required to digest and absorb and metabolize. has a huge effect when it comes to the calories we get out of it. Metabolic pathways for protein, less efficient. You know, it has the same four calories per gram as carbs, but totally different in its metabolism. So I'm going to do the math for you. If you take the thermic effect of protein is 25% and fat is 2%, this means that the 100 calories of protein you eat is only going to be 75. And the 100 calories of fat that you eat is going to be like 98 High-protein diets also boost metabolism by 80 to 100 calories per day compared to a lower-protein diet. So higher-protein diets definitely make you burn more calories, and they're, they're just going to have a higher thermic effect. Is it healthier? 
probably not in the long run, but it sure does burn a heck of a lot more calories in the short run. So also, got to think about this too. Thermic effect of food is higher in the morning than in the evening. So if you take the identical 544-calorie meal at breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you're going to burn more of it in the morning than at noon or at night. You know, it kind of makes sense because you're going to be active during the day, burn it immediately, but at night you're going to go to sleep, so you need to store it. So it's clear we burn more calories in the morning. We burn more calories from protein. The effect of calories on how you make muscle and store muscle is also influenced by the size and frequency of the meal. If you eat when you're really depleted, like after an overnight fast or after exercise, it goes right to the muscle rather than burning, than building fat. Your metabolism is really geared up. Now, if if you really want to do something, you exercise on an empty stomach when you first get up in the morning, oh my gosh, you are going to really be taking it to the extreme, burning fat, building muscles. That's only if you are metabolically flexible and can do this. That would really amplify that thermic effect of food. Another thing about protein is that it kicks the appetite and is much more satisfying. So that automatically leads you to eating fewer calories. They did one study. People increased their protein intake to about 30% of their total for the day. They automatically started eating, on average, 441 fewer calories every day, and they lost 11 pounds in just three months without doing anything else. So if you don't want to go on a diet and you just want to lose some pounds, add more protein to the diet. It's probably the simplest and easiest way to cause automatic weight loss. So it's going to help metabolism. It's going to regulate the appetite. So a protein calorie is not the same as a calorie from carbs or fat. Here's a cool study from University of Washington Medical School, 19 subjects. So it's a small one. And they fed them three different diets sequentially. For two weeks, they followed a typical weight loss maintenance diet, you know, 15% protein, 35% fat, and 50% carbohydrates. Okay, two weeks. Then the next two weeks, they followed a higher protein diet that had about 30% protein, 20% fat, and the same 50% carb. Finally, the last two weeks, the subjects were switched to just a high-protein diet, no calorie restriction. They were allowed to eat as much or as little as they pleased, and they stayed on it for 12 weeks. What happened when they switched from the low-protein to the high-protein? They started feeling much fuller, and they lost weight just automatically. So higher-protein diet definitely burns fat, builds muscle. So, you know, you can really see this in people who only eat carbs. They don't have a lot of muscle. And the older we get, the more protein we need. Instead of 0.8 grams per kilogram, it's more like one gram per kilogram. It's kind of challenging as you get older because they don't want to eat as much. So I found a protein shake is probably the best way to keep those calories low but yet the protein high. This is going to help the immune system, the skeletal system, actually probably every system. Um, Low-carb diets 
lead to automatic calorie restriction. So, you know, they've they've done so many studies on this. Um, one of the things is because you've got a little fat that in low-fat diets, you never get that feeling of satiety that comes from the fat is releasing CCK, or it's this hormone called cholecystokinin, and it's released in the small intestine. That's the one that tells the brain you're full. So if there's no fat, there's no CCK. So you're going to binge eat. In fact, binge eating skyrocketed during that whole low-fat fiasco decades ago. Uh, Now, you know, we just eat too much sugar. One of the basic reasons that low-carb diets tend to be... um, higher in protein, and they lead to a much reduced appetite. So people just gradually lose weight without even trying. Um, So even when you match the calories, the low-carb group is going to lose weight much more slowly. Um, Also, there's different effect on different hormones like ghrelin and leptin, also the cholecystokinin I told you about, but insulin and glucagon that will help you burn fat Um, store fat, be hungry, or be satisfied. These hormones definitely affect how successful you are at weight management. If you're hungry all the time, then you're going to cave. No matter how hard you try to stick to a diet, you're going to be prowling the kitchen. Research, this was one researcher, Ludwig, has been building on the theory that suggests that the real drivers behind obesity in America are the refined refined grains, the potato products, and sugars, not the high-fat foods. This is based on the theory of the carbohydrate-insulin model that he describes in his book and several scientific papers. I tend to find great value in this. Based on my history of insulin resistance since I was 10, my experience with the continuous glucose monitor, and, of course, my 30-some years of experience with weight loss counseling. In short, what happens... As this model suggests that when you're eating carbohydrate-rich meals, that leads to an overproduction of insulin. And that is what causes glucose to be stored in fat cells. He suggests a high-carb diet causes these cells to essentially hoard glucose and reduce glucagon, which makes our body use up the glucose, leaving the body without an energy source. So it kind of is like a vicious cycle. That's why you're hungry all the time. And the only way to stop that is cut the carbs and increase protein. You know, other hormones of interest are the sex hormones affected by women going through menopause. Going low carb is can be really effective at helping with the hot flashes and the emotional changes. Not necessarily keto, just lower carb. So you have to take that into account also is the satiety index. Some foods have different effects on how satisfied you are. You know, you can easily eat 500 calories of an ice cream or a frozen yogurt or a smoothie, but you'd have to force yourself to eat 500 calories of eggs or broccoli. Foods low on the glycemic or not the satiety index are going to be donuts, cakes, anything made with flour, you know, muffins, bread, that's going to cause the higher insulin release. And and that definitely goes with with Ludwig's information. Um, So and then also you have fiber to think about fiber is really going to reduce the amount of calories that you get 
from food. And then finally, a really fascinating one on the microbiome. You know, that's the gut flora, your healthy flora in the digestive tract. There is a family of probiotics called Bacteroides that thrive on vegetables, and they are great for metabolism. When they transplant these bacteria from thin people or mice into heavier ones, the heavy ones get thin. There's another family of bacteria that thrive on sugar and processed food, and they're called firmicutes. When they transplant these from the heavy subjects to thin ones, they get heavy and they crave junk food. So if you've got lots of firmicutes, you're neither firm nor cute. Kind of fun, huh? So there's another edition of Today's Nutrition, and it's all about the calorie. I hope you learned something that will help you or someone you love. Like always, you can listen again or to other shows on my website, debford.com, or any place you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Please leave a comment, share, or remember, please have a spectacular day.